caviar.com. Treat yourself to a tasting at home, introducing Petite Caviar 101, caviar, truffles, and more. Providing the world's best caviar for over 30 years, sustainable caviar, seasonal delights, boutique, grocery, family-owned and operated, provide, prove to supply the highest quality caviar available for over 30 years, 100% sustainable caviar, Israeli oyster, Belgian oyster, Idaho white sturgeon, Siberian sturgeon, Paddlefish, Ikea, National Overnight Shipping, Guaranteed National Next Day Overnight Shipping, Tuesday through Saturday, Same Day Local Pickup, Local Pickup and Curbside for Seattle, Ready Within Two Hours, Monday through Saturday, Next Day Local Delivery, Guaranteed Next Day Local Delivery for Seattle, Monday through Friday, Shop Grocery for such items like Bellwether Farms, Cream, Fresh, Betsy's Blink, Gluten-Free, Betsy's Blink, Black Truffle Butter, or Black Truffle Butter, White Truffle Oil, La Brugula, Yellowfin, Fina, Belly, and Olive Oil, Russell's Original Spice Blend, Truffle Salt, Shop for Hosting and Wares, such as Mother of Pearl Caviar Spoon, Mother of Pearl Spoon with Blue Handle, Great Barrier Reef Petite Spoon with Pointed Tip, Brown Mother Pearl Palette, Caviar Presentoir with Sterling Band, Petite Mother Pearl Caviar Spoon, St. Hilaire Modern Caviar Presentoir, Fructus Saturn Silver Flated Caviar Cup, and great homemade recipes and more like Mink, Mink, Mink Potato Rusty with Caviar and cream fresh, deviled quail eggs with caviar, blink with buckwheat. Bottlebeat.com, an easier way to study hard. Ask a question, you have homework questions, and Bottlebeat subject matter experts have answers. Ask away, most questions are answered in as fast as 30 minutes, and you'll be notified by email when your answer is ready. Find a solution, proofread your paper. Bartleby experts will look over your paper with their advanced grammar and spell checkers. Bartleby Learned access step-by-step solutions to millions of textbook problems, a searchable database of solutions to homework questions, and subject matter experts on standby 24-7 when you're stuck. Bartleby Write. Write better right now. Scan for accidental plagiarism, check spelling and grammar, and format citations correctly so you can spend less time writing and get the grade you want. Bartleby Tutor, 24-7 online tutoring service, gives you a personalized instruction you want and the flexibility you demand. With convenient options, you can find the best fit for your lifestyle and study habits. Bartleby Learn, search, solve, succeed. Study smarter with access to millions of step-by-step textbook solutions, a searchable digital database of homework solutions, and subject matter experts on standby 24-7 to provide homework help when you need it. Subscribe and your first week is $4.99. After your first week, subscription auto-renews monthly to $9.99 USD or the then-monthly current fee for Cancel anytime. Winning lineup of student tools. Textbook solutions. Millions of step-by-step solutions with thousands added daily in 30 subjects. Expert Q&A. Ask the experts your most 
troublesome homework or study questions anytime and receive a detailed solution in as fast as 30 minutes. 24-7 homework help. Part of the subject matter experts month, many with advanced degrees are always on standby to ease your concerns and get you back on track. Solution database. Homework solutions are easily searchable and constantly updated quickly. Find what you need to save it later and access from a mobile device. Try it today. Study on the go. Problem solved. Maximize your study time and get homework help anytime, anywhere with Bartleby app. Ask or snap a homework questions, search textbook solutions, and get answer notifications right from your device. Download on the App Store or Google Play today. Bartleby right. Compose with confidence. Quit starting Quit staring at a blinking cursor. Easier essay composition is right here with your new favorite pleasures and grammar checker. Their one all-in-one writing help tool is designed to reduce mistakes, improve writing habits, and transform okay essays into stellar ones. So you can submit your paper with confidence, all for only $9.99 a month. Try Bridal Be Right. 24-7 Personal Writing Tutor. Plagiarism checker, Bottery will help you catch missing quotations, accidental copy text, and other mistakes, giving you supreme confidence in your original work. Grammar and spell checker, author your own success story with writing help to eliminate mistakes, early scoring, Bartleby's advanced algorithm science, scans your paper and compares it to thousands of simpler papers to produce a score before you can turn it in. Citation assistance, whether it's MLA grammar checks or APA assistance, citing source with in a cinch, try it today. Bartleby Tutor, one-on-one tutoring on your schedule, whether it's a one-time question or a homework problem that needs a private study session. Solution, Bartleby's got you. They're a team of live tutors and are, are available 24-7. Get started today with a free 15-minute session on them. Find a tutor. Get a tutor at your computer. All tutoring sessions occur in real time via messaging or audio for easy collaboration on homework help, textbook solutions, and more. 24-7 availability. Tutors are on demand day or night and can accommodate your school and life balance when you're ready to study. So is Bartleby. Flexible options. Don't pay for tutoring time. You won't use by 30, 60, 120 minute increments. Whichever best fits your skin needs, didn't use all your minutes, roll them over to another session. Many subjects, tutors are available in over 20 subjects. Bartleby experts will help make sense of your toughest concepts in engineering, math, physics, business, and more. Find a tutor ready to get started. Sign up for 24-7 homework help now. Good morning. Hope you had a good Easter yesterday. Uh... Today's president is U.S. President number 38, Gerald R. Ford, Part 1. Gerald Rudolph Ford, Jr., born Leslie Lynch King, Jr., July 14, 1913 to December 26, 2006, was an American politician who served as the 38th President of the United States from August 1974 to January 1977. Before his accession to the presidency, Ford served as the 40th Vice President of the United States from December 1973 to August 1974, Ford is the only president to have served as both vice president and president without being elected to either office by the Electoral College. 
Born in Omaha, Nebraska, and raised in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Ford attended the University of Michigan and Yale Law School. After the attack of Pearl Harbor, he enlisted in the U.S. Naval Reserve, serving from 1942 to 1946. He left as a lieutenant commander. Ford began his political career in 1949 as a U.S. representative in Michigan's 5th Congressional District. He served in this capacity for 25 years, the final nine of them as the House Minority Leader. In December 1973, two months after the resignation of Spiro Agnew, Ford became the first president appointed to the vice presidency under the terms of the 25th Amendment by President Richard Nixon. After the subsequent resignation of President Nixon, in August 1974, Ford immediately assumed his presidency. His 895-day-long presidency is the shortest in history for any president who did not die in office. As President Ford signed the Helsinki Accords, which marked a move toward detente in the Cold War, with the collapse of South Vietnam nine months into his presidency, U.S. involvement in Vietnam essentially ended. Domestically, Ford presided over the worst economy in the four decades since the Great Depression and with growing inflation and a recession during his tenure in one of his most controversial acts, he granted a presidential pardon to President Richard Nixon for his role in the Watergate scandal. During Ford's presidency, foreign policy was characterized in procedural terms by the increased role Congress began to play and by the corresponding curb on the powers of the president. In the Republican presidential primary campaign in 1976, Ford defeated former California Governor Ronald Reagan for the Republican nomination. He narrowly lost the presidential election to the Democratic challenger, former Georgia Governor Jimmy Carter. Following his years as president, Ford remained active in the Republican Party. His moderate views on various social issues increasingly put him at odds with the conservative members of the party in the 1990s and early 2000s. In retirement, Ford set aside the enemy he had felt toward Carter following the 1976 election and the two former Residents developed a close friendship. After experiencing a series of health problems, he died at home on December 26, 2006. Early life Ford was born Leslie Lynch King Jr. on July 14, 1913, at 3202 Woolworth Avenue in Omaha, Nebraska, where his parents lived with his paternal grandparents. He was a child of Dorothy Ayer Gardner and Leslie Lynch King Sr., a wool trader. His father was a son of prominent banker Charles Henry King and Martha Alicia King, knee porter. Gardner separated from King just 16 days after her son's birth. She took her son with her to Oak Park, Illinois, home of her sister, Tennessee, and brother-in-law, Clarence Haskins James. From there, he moved, she moved to the home of her parents, Levi Addison Gardner and Adele Augusta Ayer in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Gardner and King divorced in December 1913, and she gained full custody of her son. Ford's paternal grandfather, Charles Henry King, paid child support until shortly before his death in 1930. Ford later said that his biological father had a history of hitting his mother. In a biography of Ford, James M. Cannon, a member of the Ford administration, wrote that the separation and divorce of Ford's parents were sparked when a few days after Ford's birth, Leslie King took a picture knife and threatened to kill his wife, his infant son, and Ford's nurse maid. Ford later told confidants that his father had first hit his mother when she smiled at another man during their honeymoon. After living with her parents for two and a half years, Gardner married Gerald, Gerald Rudolph Ford on February 1, 1917. He was a salesman in a family-owned paint and varnish company. They now call their son Gerald Rudolph Ford, Jr., 
The future president was never formally adopted and did not legally change his name until December 3, 1935. He also used a more conventional spelling of his name, middle name. He was raised in Grand Rapids with his three half-brothers from his mother's second marriage, Thomas Gardner, Tom Ford, at 1918 to 1995, Richard Edison Dick Ford, 1924 to 2015, and James Francis Jim Ford, 2027 to 2001. Ford also had three half siblings from the second marriage of Leslie King Sr., his father, Marjorie King, 1921-1993, Leslie Henry King, 1923-1976, and Patricia Jane King, 1925-1980. They never saw one another as children, as he did not know them at all until 1960, Ford was not aware of his biological father until he was 17, when his parents told him the circumstance of his birth. That year, his biological father, whom Ford described as a carefree, well-to-do man who didn't really give a damn about the hopes and dreams of his firstborn son, approached Ford while he was awaiting tables in Grand Rapids Restaurant. The two maintained a sporadic contact until Leslie King Sr.'s death in 1941. Ford said, my stepfather was a, ma- a magnificent person and my mother equally wonderful, so I couldn't have written a better prescription for a superb family upbringing. Ford was all was involved in the Boy Scouts of America and earned that program's highest rank, Eagle Scout. He is the only Eagle Scout to have ascended to the U.S. presidency. Ford attended Grand Rapids South High School where he was a star athlete and captain of the football team. In 1930, he was selected to the All-City team of the Grand Rapids City League. He also attracted the attention of college recruiters. College and Law School Ford attended the University of Michigan, where he played center linebacker and long snapper for the school's football team and helped the Wolverines to undefeated to two undefeated seasons and national titles in 1932 and 1933, his senior year of 1934, the team suffered a steep decline and won only one game, but Ford was still the team's star player. In one of these those games, Michigan held heavily favored Minnesota, the eventual national champion, to the scoreless tie in the first half. After the game, his assistant coach Benny Oosterben said, When I walked into the dressing room at halftime, I had tears in my eyes. I was so proud of them. Ford and Cedric Sweet played their hearts out. They were everywhere on defense. Ford later recalled, During 25 years in the rough and tumble world of politics, I often thought of, of the experiences before, during and after that game in 1934. Remembering them has helped me many times to face a tough situation, take action, and make every effort possible despite adverse odds. His teammates later voted Ford their most valuable player, with one assistant coach noting they felt Jerry was one guy who would stay and fight in a losing cause. During Ford's senior year, a controversy developed but Georgia Tech said that it would not play a scheduled game with Michigan if a black parent named Willis Ward took the field. Students, players, and alumni protested, but university capitulated and kept Ward out of the game. Ford was Ward's best friend on the team, and they roomed together while on road trips. Ford reportedly threatened to quit the team in response to the university's decision, but he eventually agreed to play against Georgia Tech when Ward personally asked him to play. In 1934, Ford was selected to, for the Eastern team on the Shriners West East East West Shrine game at San Francisco, a benefit for a benefit for physically disabled children. Played on January 1st, 1935, as part of the 1935 Collegiate All-Star Football Team. 
Ford played against the Chicago Bears in the Chicago College All-Star Game at Soldier Field. In honor of his athletic accomplishments and his later political career, the University of Michigan retired Ford's number 48 jersey in 1994. With the blessing of the Ford family, was placed back into circulation in 2012 as part of the Michigan Football Legends Program and issued to sophomore linebacker Desmond Morgan before a home game against Illinois on August, October 13th. Throughout life, Ford remained interested in the school and football. He occasionally attended games. Ford also visited with players and coaches during practices. At one point, he asked to join the players in the huddle before state events. Ford often had the Navy band play the University of Michigan flight song, the victors instead of Hail to the Chief. Ford graduated from Michigan in 1935 with a Bachelor of Arts degree in Economics. He turned down offers from the Detroit Lions and Green Bay Packers of the National Football League. Instead, he took a job in September 1935 as the boxing coach and assistant varsity football coach at Yale University and applied to its law school. Ford hoped to attend Yale Law School beginning in 1935. Yale officials first denied his admission to the law school because of his full-time coaching responsibilities. He spent the summer of 1937 as a student at the University of Michigan Law School and was eventually admitted to the spring of 1938 to Yale Law School. While attending the Yale Law School, Ford joined a group of students led by R. Douglas Stewart, Jr., and signed a petition to enforce the 1939 Neutrality Act. The petition was circulated nationally and was, a, was the inspiration for the American First Committee, a group of determined to keep the U.S. out of World War II. His introduction to politics was in the summer of 1940 when he worked for the Republican presidential campaign of Wendell Wilkie, who was an interventionist vice and isolationist. Ford graduated to the top third of his class in 1941 and was admitted to the Michigan Bar shortly thereafter. In May 1941, he opened a Grand Rapids Law Practice with a friend, Philip W. Buchan, U.S. Naval Reserve. Following December, following the December 1941 attack on Pearl Harbor, Ford enlisted in the Navy. He received a commission as ensign in the U.S. Naval Reserve on April 13, 1942. On April 20th, he reported for active duty for, to the V-5 Instructor School in Annapolis, Maryland. After one month of training, he went to Navy Pre-Flight School in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, where he was one of 83 instructors and taught elementary navigation skills, ordnance, gunnery, first aid, and military drill. In addition, he coached all nine sports that were offered, but mostly swimming, boxing, and football. During the year, he was at the Pre-flight school, he was promoted. He was promoted to lieutenant junior grade on June 2, 1942, and to lieutenant in March 1943. Sea duty. After Ford applied for sea duty, he was sent in May 1943 to the pre-commissioning detachment for the new aircraft carrier USS Monterey CVL-26 at New York Shipbuilding Corporation, Camden, New Jersey. For the ship's commissioning. On June 17, 1943, until the end of December 1944, Ford served as the Assistant Navigator, Athletic Officer, and Anti-Aircraft Battery Officer on board the Monterey. While he was on board, the carrier participated in many actions in the Pacific Theater with the 3rd and 5th Fleets in, 19, in late 1943 and 1944. In 1943, the carrier helped secure Macon Island in the Gilberts and participated in carrier strike against Cavian. New Ireland in 1943. During the spring of 1944, the Monterey supported landings at Kwajalein and Eniwetok and participated 
participated in carrier strikes in the Marianas, Western Carolinas, and Northern New Guinea, as well as in the Battle of the Philippine Sea. After an overhaul from September to November 1944, aircraft from the Monterey launched strikes against Wake Island, participated in strikes in the Philippines and Ryukyus, and supported the landing at Late and Mindoro. Although the ship was not damaged by the Empire of Japan's forces, the Monterey was one of several ships damaged by the Typhoon Cobra that hit Admiral William Halsey's Third Fleet on December 18th and 19th, 1944. The Third Fleet lost three destroyers and over 800 men during the Typhoon. The Monterey was damaged by a fire which was started by several of the ship's aircraft tearing loose from their cables and colliding on the hang. Hangar deck Ford was serving as general quarters officer of the deck and was ordered to go below to assess the raging fire. He did so safely and reported his fire back to the ship's commanding officer, Captain Stuart H. Ingersoll. The ship's crew was able to contain the fire, and the ship got underway again. After the fire, the Monterey was declared unfit for service. Ford was detached from the ship and sent to the Navy pre-fight pre-flight school at St. Mary's College of California, where he was assigned to the athletic department until April 1945. From the end of April 1945 to January 1946, he was on the staff of the Naval Reserve Training Command, Naval Air Station, Glenview, Illinois, at, at the rank of Lieutenant Commander. Ford received the following military awards, the American Campaign Medal, the Asiatic Pacific Campaign Medal, with nine Three sixteenths of inch bronze stars for operations in the Gilbert Islands, Bismarck Archipelago, Marshall Islands, Asiatic and Pacific Carrier Raids, Hollandia, Marianas, Western Carolines, Western New Guinea, and the late operation, the Philippine Liberation Medal with two three sixteenths of an inch bronze stars for late and Minidora and the World War II Victory Medal. He released from active duty under honorable conditions in February 1946. Marriage and Children On October 15, 1948, Ford married Elizabeth Bloomer, 1918-2011, to at Grace Episcopal Church in Grand Rapids. It was his first and only marriage and her second marriage. She had previously been married and after a five-year marriage, divorced from William Warren. Originally from Grand Rapids herself, she had lived in New York City for several years, where she worked as a John Robert Paris fashion model and a dancer in the auxiliary troupe of the Martha Graham Dance Company. At the time of the engagement, Ford was campaigning for what he would be his first and 13 terms as a member of the United States House of Representatives. The wedding was delayed until shortly before the election because, as the New York Times reported in a 1974 profile by Betty Ford, Jerry Ford was running for Congress and wasn't sure how voters might feel about marrying a divorced ex-dancer. The couple had four children, Michael Gerald. Born, 19, born in 1950, John Gardner, known as Jack, born in 1952, Stephen Meek, born in 1956, Susan Elizabeth, born in 1957. House of Representatives, 1949-1973. After Ford returned to Grand Rapids in 1946, he became active in local Republican politics and supporters urged him to challenge Bartel Jake Junkman in the the incumbent Republican congressman, military service, had changed his views of the world. I came back a converted internationalist, Ford wrote, and of, our, and of course our congressman at that time was an avowed, dedicated isolationist, and I thought he ought to be replaced. Nobody thought I could win. I ended up winning two to one.
During his first campaign in 1948, Ford visited voters at the doorsteps, and as they left the factories where they worked, Ford also visited local farms where in one instance a wager resulted in Ford spending two weeks milking cows following his election victory. Ford was a member of the House of Representatives for, House of Representatives for 25 years, holding Michigan's 5th Congressional District seat from 1949 to 1973. It was a 10-year large and notable for its modesty as an editorial in the New York Times described him. Ford saw himself as a negotiator and a reconciler, and the record shows that he did not write a single piece of major legislation his entire career. Appointed to the House Appropriations Committee two years after being elected, he was a prominent member of the Defense Appropriations Subcommittee. Ford described his philosophy as a moderate in domestic affairs and international and foreign affairs and a conservative in fiscal policy. Ford voted in favor of the Civil Rights Act of 1957, 1960, 1964, and 1968, as well as the 24th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution and the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Ford was known to his colleagues in the House as a in the early 1950s, Ford declined offers to run for either the Senate or the Michigan governorship. Rather, his ambition was to become Speaker of the House, which he called the ultimate achievement to sit up there and be hit, the head honcho of 434 other people and have the responsibility aside from the achievement of trying to run the greatest legislative body in the history of mankind. I think I got that ambition within a year or two after I was in the House of Representatives. Warren Commission on November 29, 1963, President Lyndon B. Johnson appointed Ford to the Warren Commission. A special task was set up to investigate the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Ford was assigned to prepare a biography of accused assassin Lee Harvey Oswald. He and Earl Warren also interviewed Jack Ruby, Oswald's killer. According to a 1960 FBI memo that was released to the public in 2008, Ford was in contact with the FBI throughout this time on the Warren Commission and relayed information to the Deputy Director, Carter DeLoach, about the panel's activities in the preface to his book, A Presidential Legacy and the Warren Commission. Ford defended the work of the, of the commission and reiterated his support of its conclusions. House Minority Leader, 1965-1973. In 1964, Lyndon Johnson led a landslide victory for his party, secured another term as president, and took 36 seats from Republicans in the House of Representatives. Following the election, members of the Republican caucus looked to select a new minority leader. Three members approached Ford to see if he would be willing to serve. After consulting with his family, he agreed. After closely contesting the election, Ford was chosen to replace Charles Halleck of Indian as minority leader. With the Democratic Party majority in both the House of Representatives and the Senate, the Johnson administration proposed and passed a series of programs that was called by Johnson the Great Society during the first session of the 8th, 9th Congress, 89th Congress alone. The Johnson administration submitted 87 bills to Congress, and Johnson signed 84 or 96%, arguably the most successful legislative agenda in congressional history. In 1966, criticism of the Johnson administration's handling of the Vietnam War began to grow with Ford and congressional Republicans expressing concerns that the United States was not doing what was necessary to win the war. Public sentiment also began to move against Johnson, and the 1966 midterm elections produced a 47-seat swing in favor of the Republicans. This was not enough to give Republicans a majority in the House, but the victory gave Ford the opportunity to prevent the passage of, the, of further Great Society programs. 
Ford's private concern, criticism of the Vietnam War became public knowledge after he spoke from the floor of the House and questioned whether, to the White, whether the White House had a clear plan to bring the war to a successful conclusion. The speech angered President Johnson, to, who accused Ford of having played too much football without a helmet. As Minority Leader in the House, Ford appeared in the popular series of televised press conferences with Illinois Senator Everett Dirksen, in which they proposed Republican alternatives to Johnson's policies. Many in the press jokingly called this the Ev and Jerry show. Johnson said at the time, Jerry Ford is so dumb he can't fart and chew gum at the same time. The press used to send used to send that Johnson's salty language reported this as Jerry Ford can't walk and chew gum at the same time. After Nixon as elected president in November 1964, Ford's role shifted to being an advocate for the White House agenda. Congress passed several of Nixon's proposals, including the National Environmental Policy Act and the Tax and Reform Act of 1969, another high-profile victory for the Republican minority, was the Senate and Local Fiscal Assistance Act. Passed in 1972, the act established a revenue-sharing program for state and local governments. Ford's leadership was instrumental in shepherding revenue-sharing through Congress and resulted in a bipartisan coalition that supported the bill within 223 votes in favor compared with 185 against. During the 80... During the eight years, 1965-1973, that Ford served as minority leader, he won many friends in the White House of his fair leadership and inoffensive personality. Stay tuned to Part 2 of Gerald R. Ford, 38th U.S. President.